Can you hear me out there? Say amen. 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 Good. There we go. Acts chapter number four this morning. Acts chapter number four. Both of those songs were a blessing. I, I don't even have to get up and say anything. If we just got together and just reminded ourselves of how blessed we are and how good God is, we've done enough. Amen. Amen. He sure has been good to us. Last week, we dove head over heels into the book of Acts. And we talked about in the beginning, and we looked at back to page one. Ministry on page one. We saw men grasping at straws. We saw Peter stand up and the disciples kind of panicking a little bit. And they chose Matthias. And we saw them grasping at straws. We saw God making some pretty big calls when he looked at uh, Saul of Tarsus. And he called him to be a preacher of the gospel and made him the Paul, Apostle Paul that we know and love today. And then we saw uh, even bigger and even more important, a church giving it their all. We saw them looking at the doctrines of Scripture. We looked at Solomon looking at the prayer life of the apostles and praying alongside them. We saw them loving and fellowship and dining with one another. And we saw a church birthed in this time. Then we saw the day of Pentecost and that evening service. We saw the response of that. And then we saw... Peter and John headed towards this temple to pray, and on their way, they met that lame man, and we talked about when Jesus is all you have left. When Jesus is all you have left, he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. And we saw this lame man healed from his uh, crippledness of birth, and we know uh, that some pretty big things are as follows. And on this Mother's Day, I want to look at Acts chapter number 4. Stand with me if you found it. Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 1. They've just healed the lame man. The lame man is now walking and leaping and praising God. And he's got some attention of those priests in that temple. And verse number four, we pick up and read. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved. Wait a second. They just healed him. This is a good thing. But being grieved that they just taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them hold unto the next day, for it was now even tied. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believe, and the number of men was about 5,000. Flip over with me to verse number 18. Verse number 18. We know Peter and John defended themselves. We know they were accused of doing uh, blasphemy in the sight of God by these priests. And Peter, in verse number 18, they called them and commanded of them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you, more unto God judge ye. Look at verse number 20. This is our text verse this morning. For we cannot speak the things which we have seen and heard. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And heard. This morning I want to preach on this thought. Mama, show them Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you've done already in this place. God, I pray for each and every mother that's here, each and every person that's here, each and every one that's walked into your sanctuary this morning. God, I pray that you meet with them. God, I pray that you help them to know that you are in this place and that you have something in store for them, that you have something according to your word and according to your will for them to do, for them to respond. God, I pray that you deal with each and every heart this morning as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we see Peter and John now being arrested, being put under questioning, being interrogated for simply 
doing something good, for simply obeying the Word of God, for simply being a good person in this day and age in which they live. Isn't that about right? Doesn't it sometimes feel like the moment you start to live right, the moment you start to act right, the moment you start to try to get back in church or to get your family back doing what they're supposed to be doing, that is when usually Satan attacks. That's when the, 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 the devil seems to start to work in the details and try to get you in trouble and try to get you off track, try to get you discouraged. Here we have Peter and John faced with this opposition for simply doing something that was good. They were did something that was good and they were rendered something that was evil. And we had them being questioned. And when it came down to it, when it came down to them threatening them and them uh, bullying them and then pretty much looking them dead in their eyeballs and saying, do not do this anymore. Peter's response was, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And this is so deep. This is so important. All they had to go on was literally what they saw Jesus do, what they heard Jesus say. Jesus was their literal teacher this morning. Jesus was the one that they were literally emulating. They did not have what we have in the pages of Scripture. They did not have a completed work of the New Testament like we have. They did not have the epistles of Paul at this time. Paul hadn't even been called a preacher of the Gospel yet. All they had was simply the teachings and the workings and the sermons of Jesus Christ Himself based on what they had seen and what they had heard. And what I'd like to submit to you this morning is that this generation, the world we live in today, God uses mothers to show Himself. God uses mothers to show them Jesus. How can you back that up, preacher? Well, we're going to take a walk through Scripture this morning. We're going to look at some uh, mothers in the Bible that God used to change entire dispensations. That God used to birth the, the man, <clears throat> man as we know Him today. That God used to rear up and, and raise Jesus Christ Himself. So first mother we're going to look at this morning is Eve, the mother of restoration. We know Genesis chapter number 3. We know who Eve was. We know that she was created to be a helpmeet for Adam. And I want to point out something very importantly here. At God went to Adam and he told Adam to not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil way before Eve was even created. He went to Adam, the head of that household. He went to Adam, the one that was in charge, the one that would be making the decisions. And he said, Adam, I don't want you to eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of every other tree, of every other beast of the field, you thou mayest freely do. You have dominion over all the earth. But this tree, do not eat it. He told that to who? Adam. He told that to Adam. Eve had not even been created yet. But here we would see Eve in the garden being tempted by Satan. We would see Eve be the one to be called out by the, uh, the devil himself to be tricked, to be tempted. But who did God speak it to? He spoke it to Adam. Now, could it possibly be that the greatest fall that mankind has ever seen, the greatest sin that mankind has ever seen, the very fall of man that brought sin into this world was simply because of bad communication between a husband and a wife? See, who did he tell? Adam. But who did Satan go to? Eve. I want you to ponder on that as we look at Eve. First of all, she made a mistake. Look at verse number 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. Eve was a mother. Eve was a young lady. Eve was a young lady who made a mistake, probably, literally, the mother of all mistakes. If there's a mother in this room today and they could stand and say, I never made a mistake as a mother, 
They, there's not one. They're already shaking their heads. No, they've made lots of mistakes. And Eve was the mother of all mistakes. She literally made the very first one. If you understand that, say amen. If you think about that, she made the very first mistake. But she was not done with. She was not over with. And today, it's a very simple thought to understand that if you're going to be a mom that is going to show for Jesus, understand this, that you are going to mess up. You are going to make mistakes. The very first woman that was ever created, she made the first one. And ever since then, men and women have been making mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. So if you're reasoning for not addressing that with your child, or if you're reasoning for not doing this, or not being the mother you ought to be, is simply because you have a history, or simply because you have a past, simply because you have messed up, look unto Eve this morning and realize she made a mistake. Not only did she make a mistake, but she received a mission. Look at verse number 15. And God's talking now, and He said, He's talking to Satan, and He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is the biggest promise we could have ever received. What God is saying here is that her seed, this very seed of, of, of Eve, would be the one that would come to seek and to save that which was lost. Right here in the midst of Eve's mistakes, in the midst of her great mess up, in the midst of her great failure, she is assigned one of the greatest missions that there ever was. She is assigned to be the mother of all living, to, to know her husband Adam, to have sons and daughters and to be able to replenish the face of the earth. And through her seed, through her lineage, would come our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. Do you see the big picture here? That while Eve was a mother who made a grave mistake, while Eve was a mother who had a past, and it wasn't a very long past. It was literally, I made this mistake, but now God has given me a mission. In this room today, you may be a mother who has made your share of mistakes, who has made your share of boo-boos, and your kids may be a grudge to you because of those things, and they may have bitterness in their heart towards you. Understand, just because you make a mistake, your mission does not get it set aside. Just because Eve made those mistakes, her mission did not become any less important. God had a job for Eve to do. Eve's the mother of restoration. So that would be her very being, her very mission from that day forward. And if you look in verse number 21, God didn't leave her by herself. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. You see what he's doing here? She was clothed with his majesty. God clothed her. Do you see how big that is? Do you see exactly what's going on here? He said, Eve, I know you've messed up. Eve, I know you've made a mistake. Mama, I know you haven't always done the right things. Mama, I know that you've made this royal mistake and you feel like the sin of all mankind is on your shoulders. You feel like, how could I continue? How could I continue to walk in these fig leaves and these rags that I'm in? Oh, wretched woman that I am. How in the world could you possibly accomplish this mission? That's what a lot of moms are faced with today. As they look out into this world, as they look out into these kids that are rebellious and, and doing this and doing that, and they're tempted with these cell phones and this technology. And as a mother looks at all these kids, it's how in the world with all these fig leaves? How in the world with all this hypocrisy? How in the world with all these terrible things can any of this get done? How can it get, get accomplished? God made coats of skins for her. God literally clothed her with His garment. God said, take those fig leaves off that you've sewn together. I have a mission for you, but if you're going to accomplish it, you're going to have to be clothed in what I'm putting on you. 
my righteousness, my actions, my deeds. And mama, today, if you're going to be the one that pushes through the mistakes, that accomplishes the mission, it will only be because of what God places on you. There is an anointing, there is an enlightenment on a mother that God does not put on men, that God has never intended for men. There is a love, there is a heart, there is a desire that is within a mother that God places on her, that God gives her, that this world cannot duplicate, this world cannot replicate, but God himself has to anoint it on that mother. That happened here in the garden. He said, Mama, I'm clothing you. If you're going to do this, you're going to need to wear the garment I have set out for you. You're going to need to be in my righteousness from this day forward. You're going to have to show them kids who God is. You're going to have to remind them who takes care of them. You're going to have to point them back to their creator. Moving on through the pages of scripture, we started with Eve, the mother of restoration. But next we're going to find Sarah, the mother of reputation. Flip to Genesis chapter number one. We're flipping all the way through the Bible this morning. So you're not supposed to work this hard on Mother's Day. We work hard on anything, not be scripture. Amen. Genesis chapter number 21. We see Sarah, the mother of reputation. Now we see God about to call out his people. God about to call out his nation. We saw him call Abraham and Sarai and tell them to go into a land which he had prepared for them and that they would be the family that would give birth to his people, to his chosen people, the people that he would bless from that day forward. This same seed that started with Eve, the promised seed of the Lord Jesus Christ would come through now Abraham and Sarah. But we know Sarah was barren. Sarah I could not have kids. She was up in age and she had already passed the point of her body being able to produce children. And we know that when God first came to Abraham, Sarah had laughed at that promise. She had absolutely thought it was a joke. She had absolutely thought there was no way I could do that. But she was faced with a decision. And in verse number 21, we see what happened. Or chapter 21, verse number 1, we see what happens. And the Lord visited Sarah as he said. Look at that. And the Lord visited Sarah as he said. What's that say? That's a promise from God. She waited on a promise. She waited on a promise. Sarah had initially mocked this promise of God. Sarah had initially thought, there is no way under this earth that I could have a baby to you, Abraham. There is no way that I could give you the seed that you're looking for. As a matter of fact, go into Hagar, have a baby with her. She had already resorted to doing things man's way. And we know that that baby was named Ishmael. We know that the seed of Ishmael now is the founder in the family of Islam. And now that woman and man have done it their way, we've been dealing with that problem ever since. But there was a woman named Sarah who even after she made that mistake, even after she said, hey, she had no choice but to wait on the promise of God. There's some mothers in here I know because I'm married to one that God is dealing with her heart. She, he's dealing with my heart and saying right now it is your season to wait. I have a promise for you. I have a promise for your children. I have a promise for your ministry. I have a promise for your marriage. But right now what I need you to understand is that it is time to wait as Sarah would be used to give birth to Isaac who would be the father of a great nation. Who would be the one that would lead his nation. First she had to wait. First, you had to wait, mamas. I don't know how many times I get so frustrated with my two little ones, and I'm like, why don't you just know? Why don't you just learn? But then God flipped me over the head and said, you're going to miss this. You're going to miss the times that they couldn't talk back to you. You're going to miss the times that they couldn't do this or do that, and they needed your help. 
Because pretty soon they're going to be pushing you away. And they're going to be wanting to be little Miss Independent. They're going to be wanting to be Mr. Independent. They're not going to want your help. Pretty soon they're not even going to want you to come in their room. Pretty soon God reminds me of that. That their little bodies and their little minds are going to change over time. So right now I need to understand that while I'm waiting on God. And though I may get frustrated. And while you're waiting on God to fulfill the promises He has for you. And the promises He has for your children. Sometimes the answer is wait. As it was with Sarah. She waited on a promise. But she weaned a future patriarch. She didn't just have a baby. At this time, and her and Abraham, she had the baby. Do you see what happens in verse number two? And Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. Look at this. She doesn't just have a baby, she has the baby. She has the promised seed that God would use to move the nation forward. She has the patriarch of an entire group of people, of an entire lineage of people over all Israel. Every Hebrew could be traced back now to the baby she just gave birth to. Do you understand that some things are worth waiting for? Do you understand that some things are worth praying about? Do you understand that that little baby God has given you, while they may be tearing the house to pieces, while they, you may not understand why they do the things they do. Some of you in here are grandmothers with having to do double duty. You've raised your kids, but now now you're having to raise your mom's kids and you start wondering is it worth it is all this worth it or should i just give them back to their mama some things are worth waiting for you don't know who that young man's going to turn out to be you don't know who that young lady's going to turn out to be let's see what god can do in their lives and sarah had waited and waited and waited and mocked and mocked but here now she gives birth to the baby the one that would usher in the families and the lineages of israel all would be traced back to her baby so are some things worth waiting for? Absolutely. And we see her worshiping her provider. Look down in verse number 6. And Sarah said, God... Oh, this is big. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh. Have you ever just seen something so big that you knew God did it? It was just exploding in your life and all you could do was laugh about it. You were so happy you just couldn't even understand it. And you weren't laughing at God anymore because that's what she started out doing. She started out, yeah, right, God, there's no way I can have a baby. Do you see how old I am? Do you see that there's no way possible that this is going to happen? But now that the promise has been fulfilled and she's had this baby and she's given birth to Isaac, here she is laughing again. But now it's a different kind of laugh. Now it's a laugh of joy. Now it's a laugh of faith. Now it's a laugh of humility saying, God hath made me to laugh. I cannot believe this. I cannot even fathom it. Moms, you know better than anybody else that there's some things God does in your life that only God could have done. There's some things that happens in your testimony, in, the, in your relationship with your kids that only God could have done. And mamas, there may be some of you out here today that you need something to happen in your relationship with your kids. You need something to change in the lives of your children. And only God can do it. Could I ask you, could you do what Sarah was willing to do? Could you wait? Could you prioritize the things that need to prioritize? Could you stay faithful to the man or to the one or to the ministry or to the mission that he's called you to like Sarah did? Because some things aren't waiting for. And when they come to pass, when the promises are fulfilled, God will blow your mind. That's exactly what happened to Sarah here. She said, God hath made me to I can't even understand it. Who would have thought that I would have been able to give birth and to wean? This baby and to be his mother and to be the one to be used. And then who would have ever thought it? it had to be God? So we've looked at Eve, the mother of restoration. Now we've looked at Sarah, the mother of reputation. She would be the one to usher in the chosen people of Israel. If I haven't made my point clear this morning is that when God needs something big done, he sends a mama. 
When God needs a dispensation to be changed, when God needs a people to be called out, He doesn't send, look at this, He didn't send a mighty soldier. He didn't send an army. He didn't send swords and fighting and bloodshed. He sent mothers all throughout Scripture. I don't believe you yet, Brother Bryce. Moms can't possibly be that important. Flip with me to Luke chapter number 1. Can we look at the mother? Anybody want to guess what mother we're going to look at now? Mary. Wow. Mary, the mother of righteousness. Not of her own, but literally the mother of righteousness. Luke chapter number 1 and verse 26. Luke chapter number 1 and verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. Why do you think that, that detail was placed in there? Probably a number of reasons, but one of them is very certainly because God wanted you to understand Mary was married to a carpenter. Mary was married to a carpenter. I did not say doctor. I did not say lawyer. I did not say politician. Mary was married to a carpenter. Do you know how hard it is to stay faithful to a carpenter? Do you know how hard it is to stay faithful to a man that may not make money from month to month, that may make money here or not there, and may make money here, that, that, that the very thing that he's good at, the very thing rises and falls on how capable he is with his hands? Do you know how frustrating it is to go out into the garage and have three inches of sawdust in your garage and you sweep it up and then the very next day it's back? Do you know how frustrating it is to be married to a carpenter? Well, this isn't very deep, Brother Bryce. This isn't very philosophical or theological. Well, no, but it's very literal this morning. Mary was married to a carpenter. That's huge. To be married to the one you are supposed to be married to, regardless of his priority, of his stature, of his career. When God needed somebody to give birth to his son, notice he didn't go looking for a woman that may have only married for money. He didn't go looking for a woman who may have only married for position. He didn't go looking for a woman who may have only got married because of what the husband had to offer her. But he went looking for a woman and he said, hey, she's married to a carpenter. I know for a fact she doesn't have any ulterior motive. That guy's broke. He ain't got nothing to offer her. I know for a fact that she loves this man because he's gone a lot. He works a lot. He's gone away a lot. He's constantly being called here and called there. And I know that if she's married to a carpenter, then she must have something special in her heart. And I'm not just saying if you're not married to a carpenter this morning that you're out of luck. No. But if you're not married to somebody for the right reason, God may never use your ministry. God may never bless your children. If you're in this thing called marriage, if you're in that bond between man, woman, and God for anything other than to glorify man, woman, and God, maybe God won't bless it. But when he looked down and he saw this little virgin Mary, he knew something special was about her. She was married to a carpenter, but she was magnified by her creator. Look at verse number 28. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail. Wait a second. The angel's looking at her and saying, Hail. Thou that are highly favored. Favored by whom? The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. When the angel Gabriel, who's, as a matter of fact, one of the, the boss angels, I think they call him the archangel, comes into your little house saying, Hail. Think about the position that Mary now held. And it wasn't a position that she achieved. 
It wasn't a position that was given to her by man. As Gabriel found himself on her doorstep, he was saying, this is the young lady God's been telling us about. This is the young lady God has favored among women. This is the young lady that God has sent me to. As God needs to send His Son into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. He needed a mama. He needed somebody that was pure. He needed somebody that had the right motives. He needed somebody He could trust. And this young lady is the one God can trust. Are you the young lady that God can trust? Are you the mama that God can use? If Gabriel was to enter your doorstep, would he already know things about you because God had been filling him in? Because Jesus had been telling them about you. I promise you this, if there's somebody God's bragging on up in heaven, it's the mothers that are in these trenches that are seeing these kids come home from school with their heads filled with all this garbage that are trying to correct and to remind them of the things that Jesus has done for them. If there's anybody God's talking about in heaven, it's the mamas. It's the mamas this morning. It's alright. Y'all can say amen. Men, I know I'm bragging on the ladies this morning, but don't you try it. They'll remember it. They'll remember it. You didn't say hey, me in the hall morning. <laughs> I know. I know. She was magnified by her creator. But she was miraculous in her conception. Can you understand what's taking place here? God is placing the hope of all nations. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. The one who would come and take the sin and reproach of every sin that has ever been committed on His back. He is placing and entrusting that to this young lady. And it was not because of her position. It was not because of her popularity. It was not because of her prowess or the people that followed her or her career or her stature. It was because of her purity. The fact that she was a virgin. The fact that she waited for marriage. The fact that she did things right, young ladies. The fact that she was able to be used in her purity was the one thing God needed to see. Was the one one thing God required so that His Son, when He came into the world, they would know and they would still be preaching about 2,020 years later that He was born of a virgin, that He was born without spot or blemish, that He would become the Son of God to rule and reign for all eternity. But it all started in this little town of Nazareth. It all started with this little young lady with a mama who was willing to be pure and willing to be used. And she got, she got to be the mother of Jesus. She got to be the mother of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. We see Jesus at 12. We see a snapshot of Him at 12 in the temple. And we see Jesus at 33. Or 30. Until 33 and a half. Can you imagine all the... If you sat down with anybody, I think it would probably be Mary that I'd want to sit down with and have a cup of coffee. We think about these great men like David and these great men like Samuel and Elijah and Elisha and Moses. And, but if there's anybody in our entire Bible that really knows Jesus, don't you think it might be his mama? Can you imagine mamas out there that have child versions of me that you just at your wits end? Because I know how I am and I know there's other kids like I was. That's why these kids in this youth ministry, they can't surprise me. I've done, been there, I've done that. Oh, they think they're so bad. I could turn it up a few notches. Can you imagine? 
Jesus, I want to tell you, and then finishing her sentence, because he knew what she was about to say. Jesus, I think you need to, I, I know what you think, Mom. I'm God. Can you imagine the task that she was given? Can you imagine the, the she was still human. She was still a woman. She was still a female. She still would have got frustrated. She still would have got irritated, but her son was God in the flesh. Her son was the one that would go to the cross. Her son was the one. Can you imagine how hard it would have been to hold that switch back when it's your son? When you get so frustrated and so irritated that he knows everything and he does nothing wrong, he's perfect, and here you are, you've been tasked with raising him. Some of us think we've got hard kids to raise. We've got hard cases. No one would have been harder or more pure to raise than Jesus. She would have had to walk a line that was so straight. She would have had to carry herself with such dignity. Look to Mary this morning if you're looking for a mama that had a very big undertaking. So we saw Eve, the mother of restoration. Sarah, the mother of reputation. Mary, the mother of righteousness. But now as we close, I want to dial into mom, the mother of right now. Mom, the mother of right now. Because the fact of the matter is, a lot of the dads are just gone. There's study after study after study after study. Dads are gone. Why? Because they're not dads. They're barely even fathers. They're cowards. And they fled the scene. So we're left with these mothers. But can I tell you, as we've walked through this scripture together, God's always been okay with using a mama. God's always had his intentions on using a mother. God has never once said, oh, there's no men. I don't know what I'm going to do. No, when God needed big things done in the Garden of Eden, when he needed somebody to take up the mantle of raising and rearing those children and populate the earth, when he needed somebody to promise his seed through, he looked at Eve. When he needed somebody to raise up a generation and a chosen people and call them out to be the ones that would shed light into all the world and those people of Israel, he didn't look at Abraham, he looked at Sarah. He said, unto Sarah I will give a son. And when he needed somebody to send his promised seed, to send the King of kings and the Lord of lords to come, and live a sinless life to guarantee that he would reach this planet, robe himself in flesh, commit no sins, fulfill every job, every tittle of the law, march his way to Calvary, perform miracles, preach sermons, lay his life down on the cross. He did not look for a soldier. He did not look for a politician. He did not look for a king. He looked for a mother this morning. He found Mary. Amen. God is okay with using you mamas. God enjoys using you mamas. And you, mom, you're the mother of right now. And we come back to our text in Acts chapter number 4 and verse 20. You see, Peter and John said, For we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. Do you realize that from Mary on, he used Elizabeth with John the Baptist, but from Mary on, you look through the rest of the book, and there's not another great dispensational mother's name listed. You know why? Because they're sitting out here. Because the Holy Ghost has lived and dwelt inside the hearts of mothers all over this world. Inside the hearts of young ladies all over this world that have been given the opportunity to birth a child, to raise a child, to teach a child, to show them Jesus. Do you understand the fact that until our Lord comes back, which is going to be very, very soon in the rapture, He has left 
humanity. He has left the children. He has left the next generation in the hands of mamas, in the hands of mothers. Yes, I understand the husband is to be the head. Yes, I understand the husband is to provide. Yes, I understand that the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Yes, I understand that the man has a very, very large responsibility. And trust me, Father's Day is coming, man. Y'all better watch out. But trust me, God has left a responsibility with the mothers to do one thing and one thing only, to show their children Jesus. Amen. Mama, show them Jesus. Mama, show them Jesus. Jesus could care less if you showed him how to make a rutabaga pie or not, but he wants you to show him Jesus. Jesus could care less if you are her best friend in high school and y'all wear the same clothes and y'all are on the same social media, but he really cares if you show him Jesus. Jesus could care less, Mama, if your kids are 100% straight-A student and, and they go all the way in state playoffs or they go and they play in the NFL or the MLB or the NBA, but you know what he really cares about if you showed him Jesus? Because they can achieve every part of this world. They can achieve every measure of success. They can blow the minds of mankind. But it will mean nothing in the eyes of God if they don't know who Jesus is. Are you with me this morning? God needs mothers to show Jesus now in this day and age than any other day and age we've ever seen. God needs you, mama. Show them Jesus. Number one, show them God's love. Oh, that's hard. Show them God's love. How do you do that? We talked about it Wednesday night. That's sacrificial Love. Children, do you understand all the things your mama puts on hold for you? Husbands, do you understand all the things your wife puts on hold for you and those babies? She sacrifices her body for nine months of her life and every day after that. She sacrifices her being, her goals, her ambitions, and she puts them on pause, or at least she should, for the lives and the livelihoods and the spiritual relationships of her babies. The sacrifice she makes shows God's love. I can understand many things about my mom now that I'm older than I could understand when I was young. But one thing I always understood from the time I was little, from the time I was now, was when my mama corrected me, when my mama chastised me, when my mama wore my tail out, it was not because she was trying to instill her wisdom into me. It was not because she was trying to get me to listen to her just because she was my mama. Why do you have to do that? Because I said so. That's why. You know what I'm talking about out there? No. It was not because she was trying to clearly push her thoughts and her ideologies and her beliefs on me. But she feared a holy and righteous God. And she understood that if I was going to fear God, she needed to fear God. And that when she was casting fear into my little soul by spanking me or wearing me out, it was to point me back to the one who created me. It was to point me back to the one who made the law, who said, this is what you're going to do, and this is what you're not going to do. And my mama feared God enough to teach me that. And she showed me God's love. Oh, but she showed me, and mothers, you got to show God's grace. God's grace. This is the one that has mamas on the pews crying right now. Because their kids haven't loved them back. Their kids haven't replicated the behavior the mama showed them. This is the one that hurts moms. 
When you pour every fiber of your being into that young man or that young lady, when you do your best, when you even though you make mistakes like Eve did, even though you get impatient like Sarah did, even though you don't understand like Mary didn't, when you get down to the point where you've poured your heart and soul into these babies, where you've poured your heart and your soul into these kids, and they turn back at you and they question it, they push away, and you can't understand why the rebellion is in their heart. Can I say this? That rebellion is in everybody's heart. Why? Because they need Jesus. They need to be saved. They need to be called into an altar by the Holy Spirit of God and put their sins at the foot of the cross of Calvary. But when you're in that position, Mama, and you're faced with this rebellion, you're faced with this pushback of those babies, you don't understand. And that's where you can show God's grace. How many times do we disappoint God? How many times do we fail His darling Son? How many times do we spit in His face with our actions? How many times do we crucify Him again with our sin? How many times do we let Him down? Yet how many times does He forgive us? How many times does He remind us in His Word that our sins are forgotten? He's cast them as the east is from the west. And mama, if there's any way that you can show God's grace, it may be hard as a person. It may be hard as a mama. It might be that you need to swallow your pride a little bit. You may need to understand that you're not perfect either and God loved you anyway. And that if you can forgive those kids, if you can forgive those babies for what it is they're doing, God will forgive them too. And if you can show them Jesus and if you can show them God's grace by that simple act of forgiveness, God's grace might reach their soul. Amen. If every time they talk to you and you listen to all the things that they're wrong for, praise God for having a backbone. You should tell them those things, but they need to hear, I love you. I forgive you. God loves you. God will forgive you. Show them God's love, God's grace. Lastly, show them God's power. Show them God's power. I watched my mama pray for some very specific things. And then I watched those very specific things. Ding. Here they were. And even as a small child, I understood. She prayed. God heard her. He did it. Why? Because I had a mama that just simply showed me that she couldn't do it, but God could do it. Mamas, do your kids see you pray? Do your kids see you pray? Mamas, do your kids see you study? Mamas, do your kids understand that when you're chastising, when you're punishing them, that it is not fear of them rearing up against you. That it is not fear of this world may not like them or may not accept them. That it is not fear that they may not be successful, but it's the, it's the fear that a holy and righteous God may never learn their name because they never call out to Him in repentance. And that all you want to do is see your children saved. And all you want to do is see your children have a spiritual relationship with Christ. Mama, do you want to show them Jesus this morning? Do you want to understand that it's not about you and it's not about your husband. It's about the both of you being used of God, being called of God to show your children Jesus so that they may one day stand before people, that they may one day stand before a sports team, that they may one day stand before a crowd or a congregation or in a pulpit, or they may stand before the holy judgment seat of the, the biggest seat of Christ and say, I cannot but speak the things of which I have seen and heard. And Peter and John, you had Jesus to show you. And David, you had God to speak to you. And Moses, God met with you on the mountain of Sinai. But I had a mama. I had somebody that would teach me. I had somebody that would pray for me. I had somebody that would care for me. I had somebody that would forgive me. I had somebody that would cook for me. I had somebody that would love me. I had somebody that would show me Jesus. Amen. Mama, show them Jesus. Miss Joy, if you'll come. Some of mamas I know 
Because I know people, and I know people disappoint each other. Some mamas just need to put their kids' names right here on these altars. Some daddies need to be right there beside them. Some mamas just may need some help this morning. And saying, God, you're doing some things in my life. God, you're doing some things in my marriage. God, you're doing some things with my children. And I don't want you to stop. I don't want you to walk away, God. I want you to be right there beside them. God, help me to show them Jesus even more. Help me to show them God's grace even more. Help me to show them God's love even more. Help me to be a mama that will show them Jesus. You know where that takes place? You know where those commitments take place? In an altar of prayer. Whether it's in your pew, whether it's down in the altar, wherever it is. Maybe there's some mamas in the, in the building this morning that have maybe been a little too friendly. Maybe been a little too worldly. Maybe been a little too close on the friendship level. Maybe not even understood that they're the parent and that they're the child and things need to get back in God's order and God knows that we need help with that in this day and age as a youth pastor that sees the children and sees mamas playing the friendship and playing the, the social media and playing this sometimes mamas just need to get back to the point where they're the mama they're the ones whose job is to point that generation back to Christ as Miss Joy begins to play do you need to come do you need to lift up that child that's gone that's, that, that you wish to God with everything you have that they were sitting next to you in this building this morning you need to come lift up their name as we stand all over the house. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And for that one that could be in here this morning. So preacher, nobody's ever showed me this Jesus you're talking about. Nobody's ever showed me him. But I like the sound of it. I've tried it my way. I've tried it sin's way. But I'd like to experience the way, the truth, the life. Would you come to an altar this morning, mamas? Show them Jesus as I pray you come. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that when God needed big things done from Eden until now, he sent them all. When God needed to accomplish a mission from the very beginning until now, he sent a mother. God, I pray for all these mothers in the building. I pray for the ones whose kids have not come. I pray for the ones whose kids aren't here, God, that you just help them to be a mother that will show Jesus. God, for these kids that are out in the world, that are out doing what they want to do, they're living like I would be living if I didn't know you. They're living like a lost person because that's what they are. God, I pray that you find them out. God, I pray that these mothers in here would speak their name even now, that you would send your Holy Spirit on their trail, that you find them where they are on this Mother's Day, and you would remind them that, yes, they have a mother who loves them, but there's a God in heaven who loves them and wants them to know him, and wants them to have a relationship with his darling son. God, I pray and I ask that as we go forward in the days ahead, help us to have a strong backbone of mamas. Help the mothers of this church to be together in one mind and one accord, and that the children may see that while we all may be different, we all may have different opinions or different upbringings, that there's some mothers at Anchor of Hope that want to show forth Jesus. God, I pray and I thank you for the services we've had today. I thank you for the mothers that have been in attendance. I pray for those that are at home, being cautious and, 
wise to stand back with this pandemic situation. I pray that you comfort them in their homes. I pray that you comfort them in their living rooms, wherever they are, Father. I pray that you meet with them as well. Help them to go to church right there where they're at. God, for the surrounding churches in this area today that are having services, God, I pray that you move through those men. I pray that you move through that word. I pray that if there's somebody, maybe not in this building, but in another church building that needs Jesus this morning, God, I pray and I ask that you save them in Jesus' name. Amen.